welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott. How are you doing on these beautiful first days of fall? I have two tales for you tonight that are sure to get you in the mood for cool, crisp nights where the wind blows gently through the trees and you have something that smells like warm spices around you. Maybe you're baking a pie or drinking some spiced hot drink or maybe you're burning a fall candle. No matter what, I hope it smells amazing and I hope you're feeling ready for some scares. Before we begin, I wanted to quickly remind you that all kid and teen stories are due by September 30th. Just send them to scaryoutosleep at gmail.com with kid or teen submissions in the subject line. Now, on to our first story. This author had a lot of strong reactions to the first story of his I had on the show. That was called Sometimes, and if you haven't heard it, and you're in the mood for something incredibly twisted, you can hear that in the episode titled I Watch You Sleep, released July 8th of this year. And if you love both of these stories, then you'll be happy to hear that author Clark Roberts has a book available for sale called Led by Beasts. I'll have a link to that in the show notes. Now, without further ado, here is Vengeful Fangs. Aaron was alone and shirtless in the backyard. The grass felt cool, pressed against his back. Dusk arrived, and with it, shadowy shapes flitted above him. He shouldered his most cherished birthday present from months earlier, the sharpshooter pellet gun, the last present he'd opened that evening, and also the last gift he'd ever received from his father. Aaron pointed the barrel skyward, With earnest concentration, his breathing naturally slowed. He closed one eye and squinted the other down the length of the barrel. Setting his jaw, he drew a beat on one of the darting shadows. His father's challenge from his birthday night rose in his mind. Kill a bat with a pellet gun, and you can do anything. The gun popped when he squeezed the trigger. The baby shot into the darkness. The shadow he'd aimed at swooped low, and for the briefest moment, an untrained eye might have suspected his accuracy was amazingly true. Aaron, however, knew differently. The baby must have passed through the bat's sonar with impeccable timing. The bat elevated to its original circular path, unharmed, more likely bewildered than anything else at discovering no meal where its hunting skills demanded one should have been. Glumly, Aaron estimated his kill rate stood roughly in the realm of zero for a kazillion, if kazillion was even a real number. From inside the trailer behind him, a shouting match erupted, his mom and his uncle at each other's throats. A clatter of pots and pans followed by breaking glass. A breath of silence. Then, his mother screeching something about Uncle Joe already proving he was more bastard than man. 
Uncle Joe. Aaron seethed and instinctively began grinding his teeth. He worked the bolt action and checked the breech to make sure a silver BB had chambered. The words practically boiled up in his throat. He imagined pressing the barrel of the pellet gun into each of Uncle Joe's eyes and pulling the trigger. The deranged fantasy was so complete, he envisioned the BBs bursting through the tissue of his uncle's eyes and burning straight through the asshole's pupils. Fucking an asshole? Just when had Aaron started speaking and thinking in those terms? When Dad didn't come home. That's when. No, that wasn't entirely true. He'd been worried when Dad was absent that Friday night. The following sunrise, there was still no Dad to prepare the Saturday morning pancakes, and Mom called the cops. Aaron's worry had morphed into a cold sense of fear, because Mom's concern sounded authentic enough on the phone But after disconnecting, she drank her coffee at the trailer's wobbly kitchen table and too casually smoked her cigarettes. But fear was a completely different beast compared to the anger that borne this new love affair with swearing. The anger had swelled with Uncle Joe's arrival just two weeks after Dad's disappearance. Uncle Joe stayed the night then stayed the next night, and the next, and the next. Not once sleeping on the couch, but instead slipping into the parents' bedroom, as if he was a stand-in husband and father. Aaron knew, absolutely knew, Uncle Joe was behind his father's disappearance. Christ almighty woman! Uncle Joe's voice bellowed out of one of the trailer's opened windows. How many damn times I gotta tell ya? The insurance money is coming. We just gotta play it cool and be patient. Look all around us, Joe. Aaron's mother returned. Aaron could picture her in his mind, standing taut as a pulled rope, and her shaking eyes nervously searching all the corners for something else to throw. Similar mutations into a madwoman had occurred when his dad was still tucking him into bed each night. You see any new money sitting round this shithole? His mother raged. You seen any gold coins fall from the sky? It's a sure thing, you said. We'll have the money to scram in a month. Maybe you can't read a calendar from a Chinese Bible, but it's been two months and all I've seen is more cops kicking up and down this fog of a road. I'm telling you, they're on to us, Joe. All they gotta do is find his Yes, you know what? And we're toast. Find his you-know-what. The thought rolled over Aaron's mind like a road paver, pressing the final touches permanent. Find his body is what his mother meant. Find Dad's body. Once again, Aaron lifted the pellet gun and peered down the sight attempting to focus on anything other than that god-awful idea. They ain't finding my brother, Uncle Joe stated. They ain't, 
Because I made damn sure there ain't nothing left to find. Aaron cringed, and for a moment, his vision blurred wetly. I saw a hiccup, something terribly powerful tried working its way up from deep in his stomach. He swallowed hard, forcing it down like trying to cram shut an overpacked suitcase of emotions. This time he fired wildly and knew he wasn't even close to striking either of the bats above him. He needed to concentrate. Dad had been an emotionally strong man, so he could also be strong when the time called for it. Kill a bat with a pellet gun, and you can make anything happen. He let those words ring clearly in his head, relishing his father's unendingly encouraging tone. Anything happen. If literally anything was on the table, Aaron knew exactly what he'd make happen, whom he'd make disappear. He missed on his next two attempts, but sensed he was closer than ever before, that innately he was figuring out the secret, and then the possibilities would be endless. From the trailer behind him, his mother's voice. I'm just telling you, Joe. If we ain't out of here soon and they do find something, I ain't going down as hard as you will. Uncle Joe, agitated. One last time. There ain't nothing to find. Mom, Maybe not, but if that money don't show up quick, my own mouth might start leaking. Cause I'm getting the thoughts. I was better off with him than your sorry ass. Uncle Joe. You wouldn't. Mom. Keep testing me and see. Aaron heard not only the conviction in his mother's tone, but also the smirk. Next came a commotion of struggle. He envisioned Uncle Joe rushing forward, his face aflame with unbridled fury. He could see the mocking arms, pushing, shoving, spitting on one another in what must be the world's craziest dance. He heard someone flung to the floor, and then his mother's banshee screams. A loud whack, followed by the briefest of silence, in which Aaron popped off another round, and just barely missed. Who the fuck do you think you're dealing with here? Uncle Joe roared. Maybe my brother was dead on about you, and you just some batshit crazy woman he never should have tangled with. He never said that about me. Aaron's mother shrieked. He never would have said nothing like that about me. Yeah. Keep singing that tune. Uncle Joe spat. Next was the familiar sound of his mother's long and desperate wail until it lost steam and became sobbing. (laughs) He loved me. I know he did. 
and I'm sorry for what I agreed to. Uncle Joe mumbled, but Aaron couldn't make it out. Boots thundered loudly on the trailer's floor, tracking Uncle Joe's movements. The back screen door screamed open and banged shut with an unnatural force. Uncle Joe stomped down the weathered porch. Aaron twitched his eyes. Uncle Joe's march slowed as he approached, and by the time he reached Aaron, he was nearly ambling. Standing over him and upside down to Aaron's vision, Uncle Joe said, Well, shit, kid. Uncle Joe dug deep into his pockets and pulled out a lighter and a plastic baggie. He opened the baggie and carefully selected before squatting next to Aaron's side. The lighter flamed to life, and soon a familiar skunky, pungent aroma filled the cool night air. Uncle Joe hit the doobie, sucking deeply before holding his breath. When he spoke, it seemed the smoke had filled his voice with effort. Oh, that's the shit right there, kid. Aaron glanced. Uncle Joe held the doobie between his thumb and pointer. His other fingers fanned out into three small arches. Uncle Joe took another toke. His lips sealed. Yet, in the same instant, he managed what sounded to Aaron like a painful coughing fit. Aaron pointed the gun back to the sky. Fired. No luck. Did you assault favors what I did? Uncle Joe said. He thumped on his ass and was lying supine in a similar fashion as Aaron. Your old man had all those pipe dreams he had for you. College or some shit. You wouldn't have done nothing but disappoint him in the end. You ought to be getting down on your knees and thanking me. Aaron didn't speak, only forced even more of his focus above on the tormenting targets. On your knees, Uncle Joe repeated before taking another forceful toke. Distinctly, Aaron heard Uncle Joe chortle, but he ignored it. He honestly couldn't fathom what might be funny about thanking from one's knees. Uncle Joe flicked the blunt, spinning it into darkness. He expelled a great, satisfied sigh. Then his hand lashed out and leached onto Aaron's leg. The hand squeezed, much like Aaron's dad's hands had squeezed before. Dad would playfully proclaim, The claw, the claw, the claw. Except, there was nothing playful about Uncle Joe's demeanor. Aaron popped off another round, and again missed. Thankful, and on your knees, Uncle Joe said a third time, deadly serious, maybe even angry. He continued, but you ain't gotta worry about that kind of crap with Uncle Joe. No way, kid, I ain't no weirdo. As fast as Uncle Joe's hand had grasped him, it released. 
I ain't no perv when it comes to kids. Uncle Joe growled, as if answering an unasked question from the night. His voice carried a dangerous edge, like he wanted to be tested, like he wanted a reason to strike out. I don't like you, Uncle Joe. The voice in Aaron's head was calm, so reminiscent of his father's voice. I don't like how you seem to know what happened to Dad. I don't like how Mom lets you sleep in their bedroom. I don't like hearing the two of you yell about insurance money. I don't like you out here in the grass with me. But what I really don't like, what I actually hate, is you, Uncle Joe. You. Aloud, Aaron asked, Do you love my mom? In the ensuing silence before Uncle Joe replied, Aaron sensed a grin forming in the darkness. Uncle Joe said, When she's on her knees and thanking me, he erupted with laughter. Aaron still didn't get the joke, but he definitely comprehended the mean spirit in that laugh. Whether it was directed at Aaron, his mom, or the both of them, didn't make the difference of blue on black. The control inside Aaron began bubbling. You gotta stay calm, son. There was no doubting his father's voice this time. You gotta stay calm and think if you wanna win in life, shoot a flying bat and you know the rest. But it's too hard, Aaron confessed. I can't hit him. Hit me, Uncle Joe dumbly voiced. You best watch that mouth of yours, kid. Don't get yourself thinking I won't wallop you the same way I walloped your mama in there. You'd have to lead them even more. Keep the BB out of their sonar's range. Son, don't ever say you can't. Because you can. You can shoot a bat. And then... A part of Aaron badly wanted to believe the voice was truly his father speaking. That their father-son bond in life had been tethered by a thick chain even death couldn't snap. That side of Aaron, the still a child side, hoped his father was reaching out to him through a magical conduit connecting the living and the dead. Yet the other side, the side that understood life's circumstances as dealt to him, now required he mature much faster than normal knew the truth of it. The knowledge was solely Aaron's. It only manifested in his father's voice. You have to lead him even more. You can shoot a bat, and then... With a new resolve, Aaron pushed the pellet gun's stock tighter than ever into his shoulder. He squinted and singled out a bat. He shut his mind off from the rest of the world. The whirring of the crickets, his uncle beside him, his mother inside the trailer most likely blotting a tissue to her bloody nose. The barrel did not wobble, but steadily tracked, 
memorizing the bat's repetitive pattern. Instead of squeezing tight, this time, Aaron's lips slightly parted. For the first time ever, his tongue steadily ticked against the roof of his mouth, a trait directly passed down from his father, indicating deep concentration. In an instant, the bat plummeted and decisively struck the ground. A one in a million shot. Jesus! Uncle Joe gasped. Nice shot, kid. Yeah. Aaron sneered. Without hesitation, he racked in another BB and once more smoothly guided the barrel skyward. Only this time, he settled the sights on the night's first star. It twinkled, the tiniest diamond, light years away. He licked his lips before they parted. Starlight, star bright, first star I've seen tonight. I wish I may, I wish I might. Kid, you won't hit that second bat. Uncle Joe scoffed. That last shot was pure luck. Shut up. Shoot a bat. The star. Uncle Joe's eye. Shoot a bat. The star in his eye. You can do anything. It is his eye. His eye. Star. baby flew into darkness. Aaron breathed, concentrated. Get there. He blinked. Get there. He waited, waited, waited. Get there. You all right, kid? The edge that was so often present in Uncle Joe's voice had completely disintegrated. Uncle Joe sounded like a man staring down a holographic train, barreling straight at him, but not entirely certain it was a hologram. Come on and get there, Aaron urged through clenched teeth. From far, 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 far above, there was a sound like a small object punching through tinfoil. A short laugh escaped Aaron. Quiet, but loony. <laughs> Look, Uncle Joe, there's a hole in the sky. Aaron whispered. I shot a bat. I can do anything. I can make holes in the sky and make things come out of them. You best... You best knock this crap off right now, kid. Aaron ignored the warning. He dropped the pellet gun to the side and reached up to where the star was supposed to be and pointed in a familiar tune. He sang, There's a hole in the sky 
Dear uncle, dear uncle, there's a hole in the sky. Dear uncle, a hole. Aaron's arm extended, unfolding at the joint. There's a hole in the sky. Dear uncle, dear uncle. His arm reached farther, extending more, unfolding more. There's a hole in the sky. Joints that shouldn't have been there. More and more elbows continued unfolding. Lengths of arm that shouldn't have existed continued extending. Dear uncle. Aaron's finger poked the new hole in outer space. And he wiggled his finger, snugly tight. Gently, Aaron tugged. He adjusted his grip and evenly and smoothly unwrapped the night sky like a Christmas present. A sudden brightness blinded him. His one arm shot up for protection, and he dropped his face from the unbearable light. Squinting tightly, he saw Uncle Joe hadn't bothered creating a shield. You're done, Uncle Joe. Aaron uttered. Then he chanted, Bats, 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 bats. Uncle Joe groaned like he was about to vomit. His face reminded Aaron of the times he'd gone bullfrog hunting at night with a flashlight and net. Dad had taught him that freezing the quarry was as simple as pointing the beam straight into their faces. Uncle Joe looked as zoned out as any of those bullfrogs. His eyes were wide and empty. His mouth hung agape and drooled. That was enough for Aaron. As much as he could stand, he turned back to the burning light and continued his eerie chant, now stressing the word with more force. Bats! 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 The massive cloud, blacker than graveyard midnight, erupted from its celestial lair. It crossed the distance of light years in mere seconds. They rapidly descended as one. Such a large number that Aaron felt the warm gust of wind they created ripple the skin of his face. The first bat dropped like a stone and latched its claws deep into the roped vein at Uncle Joe's neck. The bat screeched and bared its sharp fangs before attacking Uncle Joe's cheek with such fury that its head tremored when it pierced skin. Thin tracks of blood immediately ran down Uncle Joe's cheek. As they dropped and assaulted Uncle Joe, Aaron could make out the individual bats. They were all fangs claws and leathery wings. Their number must have reached well into the thousands. Good God, the awful noises they made. Aaron raised his hands to his ears, but couldn't block out their hellish shrieks. It was obvious the colony had one goal, a goal for which Aaron wished. But each individual bat fought and clawed and snapped with its own selfish hunger. Aaron was afforded one last glimpse, 
before the colony's members completely covered Uncle Joe. And this was Aaron's only regret. Because he hoped to see the exquisite pain. Hoped to hear Uncle Joe join the chorus of bats with a painful scream. Instead, Uncle Joe remained in a silent, dazed stupor, even as his clothes ripped and his skin shredded. The colony of bats rose. It paused as if testing the weight. Satisfied, it exploded upwards into the night. Aaron thought, they'll finish feeding back in their lair. The colony raced home with the speed of a cosmic aircraft. No more noise. No more bats. No more Uncle Joe. Aaron reached upward and deep into space from where the light spilled. Deeper. 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 He grasped the unfolded universe. The thin texture felt like wrapping paper, and he folded outer space back properly into place. It wasn't quite seamless where he'd opened the sky. The smallest of cracks etched out where he'd unwrapped. Aaron licked his finger and traced it over the showing edges, and the edges sealed tight. Pleased, Aaron thought, it's over. No, son. His father's voice answered in Aaron's head. Not quite. Not just yet. Aaron? His mother called. He didn't have to turn to know she was outside, standing on their small porch and staring skyward. Aaron? This time, her call was small. And Aaron loved the tremor in her voice. What was that? A trick, mother. He grinned hugely. He reached for the last gift his father would ever give him. One last time that night, Aaron shouldered the gun. Under his breath, he said to himself, just a trick and I'll do it again bats 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 Batch. story of the evening is perfect for ringing in the autumn equinox. This is by D. Norfolk, and get those fall decorations ready while you listen to Harvest. First, a warning. 
If you have found this note where I left it on the kitchen table in Gable Cottage, get out now. Take this with you and read it when you leave the borders of East Grindelcroft. If you have found this in some other location, run right now. I would like to state for the record that despite the alarmist nature of the opening sentence that I, Jacob Mallory of Gable Cottage, East Grindelcroft, am of sound mind and body. It is just that if I am not here to meet you, I will have become one of the missing one of the many, many missing. I do not really know how many others remain in the village, but I do know that they are getting more and more. I have watched from the slits in my barricaded window as one by one they have appeared in greater numbers. I have resigned myself to the thoughts now that I probably will not survive this I mean this document to give brief overview of the events leading to this point. I do not know if this is futile, as I am unaware whether they are sentient and may just destroy this evidence and await further victims. The facts are that we were slow to react to the initial ones and this has ultimately led to us being over. Harvest Festival had begun as usual toward the beginning of September, and as usual, people were busy laboring at the farms and bringing in the crops. It was usual for this time. The scarecrows being put up in everyone's driveways and gardens are as part of the tradition. It was during this time that we think the first of them arrived. Mrs. Denning had said that she hadn't made the one that sat beside her own, modeled very closely on Mr. Denning. But in the morning, they had found theirs torn apart and thrown on the ground. We dismissed it at the time, sat in the red lion, laughing at what the old duck had said. Local kids playing silly buggers, we said. We all just figured she got the hump with us after that and not bothered to come across for a drink like usual. It was only when the butcher's boy said his order for two pounds of sausages and ten pork chops was left on the kitchen counter when he went to deliver again that people started to take notice. Then old Ted was the next to have a run-in, nearly cycling into one in the middle of the road on his way home from the pub. Again, we thought too much brandy had caused him to veer wildly into someone's garden, and he admitted he had a few that night. It certainly wasn't there when he went to have a look the next day. The village was uneasy, and a meeting was scheduled at the hall for the following Wednesday. Well, it was. But it never happened. That's when it came about. Miss Arnold, our school teacher, was counting the children into the class at school when she realized of the 27 children in her class, only 13 had arrived for school 
a gap too big just to be sickness. Being inquisitive in nature, she busied herself at break time, quizzing the children and making telephone calls to find out where they all were, to confused parents. It seems they had all left their respective houses for school, but never arrived. The next call was to the police, Bert and his junior at the local station. He called an emergency meeting right then and there. The next frantic hours were spent roaming the countryside, searching, calling names, and looking behind bushes with trepidation. But the calls and scouring yielded nothing, not a coat or a glove. The party returned to the village hall, dejected and baffled when the moonlight defeated them, not noticing initially the new additions on the village green, the circle of them playing a frozen game of ring-a-ring-a-roses, their still faces with the permanent grins escaping the downtrodden and depressed. The remaining children raised the alarm the following morning when they arrived to find the school empty. Well, apart from the ghoulish classroom display of 14 new ones all posed for intent listening to a grown one where Miss Arnold should have been. Dr. Grange insisted we took one and search for clues. In earlier days, he'd been the chief pathologist in Reading. Bert had agreed, and they made a makeshift lab and the school canteen. People had stared disconnectedly, gawking on as he slowly peeled back the disheveled clothing, straw tumbling to the floor. Painstakingly, he removed the dry grass, wad by wad, for Bert to comb through. All that the thing contained was straw and a large, smooth, black stone where its heart should have been, onto which had been painted a single name, Geraldine. For most it made no sense, but for those of us who knew Miss Arnold, we knew the significance. Following the scarecrow autopsy, angry parents went through the town collecting them and burning them on a gigantic pyre in the square. They laughed and shouted demonically as the material caught easily and the cracking flames danced into the night air, filling the streets with smoke. I feared that a mania had overcome them and I shied away, thinking nothing good could come of this. The very next morning, they were all back. The remnants of the fire, gone. But there were new ones, and more of the missing villagers. In the days that followed, we have stayed in our homes, cowering from the ever-increasing numbers. This morning, I found two of the sinister straw men stood in my garden. I hadn't even made one for the festival. 
Maybe they know. Maybe they are watching. I personally do not know how far this thing goes. Whether our village is cursed. But I beg anyone to leave this place and not return. Update. There was a scratching at the door last night. Like dry twigs popping and breaking against the hard wood. In threnody of desperation. I could not look out of my window. I was frozen with fear. All I can hope is whatever happens. I only pray that it will be over soon. And I will not feel too much pain. Beware the smiling face of straw. Beware his sagging, cruel eyes. Signed, Jacob Mallory Esquire. 22nd of October, 1958. (gasps) Thanks so much for listening, and thank you to both my authors, Clark Roberts and Dee Norfolk. Thank you so much for your contributions to the show. These were fantastic. Remember, you can buy Clark's book, Led by Beasts, and I will have a link for that in the show notes. Um, Follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If you have a story you'd like considered for the show, please send that to scarytosleep at gmail.com. That's the same place where you can send those kids and teen stories. Again, with the kids and teens, um, anyone 12 and under, kids story, 13 and to 17 is a teen story. Uh, Make sure to put in the age of the child or teen and also the name that they would like to be credited by. I'm also so excited. Next week, I will be able to announce the show that I've been working on for the last few months that I keep teasing. It's coming out on October 6th, and I believe I can tell you about it on October 1st. And hopefully I'll have a trailer for you and everything. Uh, I'm so excited. Uh, It's been, you know, a long time in the making. And I'm just really, really stoked. Okay, and also remember that the show, starting October 1st, will will begin to be available on different platforms again. I will no longer be exclusive to just Spotify. I will be available on multiple platforms. So that's coming up soon. I'm trying to get prepared for that. I'm doing, I have literally done everything I can to try to get the show. So it's on all platforms, like on October 1st, day one, but I'm not sure if that will work because there are things that are out of my control. Certain other companies, uh, you know, when you, you put your show in other places, like just other places, they kind of take their time for with approving you, which is so funny. The show's been around for so long. I never thought I'd see the day where I have to get reapproved by these different um, companies. So again, I have done everything in my power. It's all set up to just like launch, but it's up to those websites, whether they want to accept me the first day, or sometimes they take a few days to uh, accept your application. <laughs> so um Yeah, I think that's all. Oh, I went to Halloween Horror Nights last Friday. 
It was so much fun. It was so nice to just get out and do something spooky. It actually got in the like into the 50s here in LA, which was amazing. Like I know that's not cold to probably anyone else, but to us here in LA in Southern California, that was really chilly. I got to wear a jacket, you guys. It was great. Um, and if you look on the Instagram, you'll see for the show's Instagram, there's a picture of me with a vampire. If you want a few more pictures there, you can go to my personal Instagram, which is Shelby B. Scott. And you'll see like took a little video and there's some more pictures and it was just such a blast. Halloween Horror Nights. I want to do another LA thing, uh, which is the, um, haunted hayride up at Griffith park. Um, my husband and I usually do it every year. We didn't do it last year for reasons. And so, yeah, we want to do that too. If so, if you live in the LA area or if you just, or Orange County, any surrounding areas, or if you have been from here previously, or if you just hear something through the grapevine, let me know. I want to do lots of Halloween stuff this year. I didn't get to do anything last year. I mean, none of us did, so <laughs> it's not just me, but you know, I really want to do a lot of Halloween, Halloweeny things. So let me know if you have any suggestions. Um, I think that's all for tonight. I'm hopefully going to go make a peach, what would you call it? It's like, it's called peach bars, but it's like a peach crumble and a peach cobbler and a peach pie had a baby. It's this recipe I found. I'm pretty stoked about it. I have some peaches like I, that I have to, I need to do something with. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing tonight. I'm, I'm going to be smelling the warm spices. Like I told you all to smell in the beginning, have a great night. I hope you made it very atmospheric and just felt great. All right. I will see you next week, hopefully with my big news. Also, by the way, since that big news, I believe I will be able to, um, I'm going to find out tomorrow if I can announce it on the first then the show will be coming out a day late. That way I can, you know, get all the stuff together and like hopefully a trailer and show you and everything. It's with a big company. So I'm not in charge of a lot of this stuff. This is so yay. Um, which, you know, yay. But also that means that I, <laughs> I can't, I don't even have a trailer within my possession. Uh, this is something that they have. So yeah, that, that would be the only reason if the show comes out a day late, it's because I have a trailer for you. I'll let you all know. Don't worry. I'll let you know on social media. Again, the social media, it's all at scary to sleep. Um, you can follow me at Shelby B Scott, both on Twitter and Instagram. There's a Facebook group. That's so much fun. Um, okay. Go get some sleep. Sweet dreams. <laughs>